it's transfer day, man. It's transfer well, it's day. it's over. No, no, no. It's, well, still it's going almost on, over. But we're going to have all the transfers, the winners and the losers. You know who's not a loser? Who? You, my friend, because you're here Oh, that's again. right. That's right. Yeah, no, I consider myself a winner. In tu casa. I'm, I'm, I consider myself a, an absolute winner just, just for being here. On Football Americas, uh, especially because we will talk about Tata Martino and the things he had. For the first time, I think we saw the real Tata Martino. Would the real Tata Martino please stand up? You know that and he transparency did. everybody was asking for with Tata Martino? It's yeah. finally here. Yeah, we finally have it. And we'll also have a one-on-one conversation with Gianluca Busio. That's ahead on the show. But let's get started because, yes, the transfer window is shutting down. It's almost closed and we have to name winners and losers because we have a lot of we discussed this the other day on football americas who had to make a move who had to make a change so we're finally going to have the time to do that right here on football americas but let's start on a positive note shall we sure okay let's go with our first winner and it is Serginho Dest who made the move to AC Milan that's uh, on a loan agreement with Barcelona there's an option clause in this uh, move for 20 million euros off to Dubai after <laughs> the first season. What do you make of Serginho Dest moving to champion in current Serie A champions, AC Milan? My man's got to live in Amsterdam, Barcelona, and now Milan. Yeah, he's a winner. <laughs> Not bad, dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, I love that he's out of Barcelona. Winner. You needed to get out. Toxic situation. They said, hey, we guarantee you, you will not play one single minute. You needed to leave. Milan, Italy. I love that it's Italy. He'll learn how to properly defend. Yes. That's what you always hear. Defenders go to Italy and they say, I thought I knew how to defend. This is how you defend. I learned it here. What I don't like, he's not going to play over current captain Calabria, who's only 25 years old. Florenzi, the backup, is out injured right now. He'll two out, national team players, by the way. He'll be out injured for at least another two months. So maybe you can get some games if it's not Serie A, Champions League, or, or Coppa Italia. Okay. He could also play on the left-hand side. He's not going to play over Teo Hernandez. My worry is Paoli and AC Milan may try to convert him into a winger because Salamakers and Junior Macias on the right-hand side, nobody's really cemented themselves as that man in that position. He could maybe find his way in because people love what Serginho Des could offer going forward. Not necessarily what he can offer you defending-wise, but yeah. going forward. Don't fall into that trap. We've seen this trap already with Ronald Koeman. Ronald Koeman, the failed experience, experience that was, experiment that was Barcelona and Serginho Des playing as a winger. I'm afraid they'll go into that trap. Nobody's touching Teo Hernandez or, or Leal on the left-hand side, but talking to friends I have who, who are very in-depth in Italian football, they don't think he'll have much time as a right-back. Because of Calabria, because of Florenzi. So if that's not it, but you make this investment in this player, a potential four-year investment, 20 million, or 20 million euro investment, it's for him to play. Will it be a winger? I don't like that. So here's the problem. When you make a move like this, you, we are looking for the win-win situation. Correct. Right? This, might, this is not a lose-lose situation. Because he definitely had to leave Barcelona. He had to make the move. He knew it. He wanted to stay. But eventually he understood that the best decision for his career was leaving Barcelona as soon as possible. Now, when you make a move like this, and you as a former player, when you make a move like this, you want to play. Correct. You don't want to go to a place where you don't know that you're going to play. Now, Champions League for Milan, 
Copa Italia, Serie A, he's going to have his chances. But the biggest question mark, and I believe we're going to have this question mark for every single move that we break down following uh, Serginho Dest is, how is this helping his case for the World Cup? Because he's going to be a start, right? I, I suppose he's going to be a starter for the U.S. men's national team. But you want a player that actually sees not only minutes, but good minutes with his club. Is he going to have that at, at AC Milan? Feeling Greg Berhalter and many national team pundits and also fans, it doesn't matter if Serginho Des plays zero minutes, he will be a starter come the World Cup time because of how weak that outside back pool. He's also the first choice right back and the second choice left back. That's how important Serginho Dest is to Greg Berhalter, so he's going to get play with Greg Berhalter. But you want him being in some sort of rhythm. You want him being sharp. You want him being mentally exactly. fit during yeah. the World Cup. Yeah, and that, that's going to be on Serginho Dest to convince Stefano Pioli that he can actually see those very, very good minutes. That was our first winner. Let's talk about our second winner. The Pepe train has left the Augsburg choo station choo! and has arrived in Groningen in there the Netherlands. Also in a loan deal, played 15 Bundesliga games and zero goals for Ricardo Pepe. What do you make of this move to the Dutch league? Eddie Dibise. Well, a few things I love. I love that he got out of Augsburg. Um, by no means was it a Serginho Dest toxic situation. It's just a situation that didn't pan out. It was a move that he tried to the Bundesliga, very good level, and he wasn't ready for it. He's not the first, nor will he be the last that's made a, a bet on himself and it didn't pan out. Now, I love that it's the Eredivisie because it's an attacking league yeah. that loves to give youngsters opportunities. Well, the Bundesliga is also known as an attacking league. <laughs> it's a tactical league, difference. But Eredivisie, is a it's, it's an attacking league that gives opportunities to young players. The one thing that I most loved about Serginho, excuse me, about Ricardo Pepe uh, as a forward at this young age was mentally how confident he was, mm. how sure of, of himself he was on the field. That smile that we just saw on that video right there, that video of him meeting his teammates, it's a smile that we've not seen yeah. from him in quite some time. Yep. Now, right now, he's on the outside looking in, in the World Cup picture because you have Jordan Pifak, you have Josh Sargent, you have guys like Brandon Vasquez who aren't even part of the pool. You've got all these players who are scoring Brandon goals, Anderson. Jesus Ferreira, you know, at that nine position, just yep. in that nine position, position alone. So he needed to do something. He's betting on himself here. You bet on yourself at Osberg, it didn't go your way. You don't stop trying. You do everything in your power to get to that World Cup because I firmly believe right now he's on the outside looking in. So this is a good move for him. So here's why I believe this, this move makes absolute sense. You have to see the big picture in terms of his career, right? Because there's one way to see it, and it is what are his chances to make the World Cup roster? It's one thing, and you would say, yes, this might help. But in terms of his entire career, he had to leave Augsburg because, as you said it, when he was playing for FC Dallas and the U.S. men's national team, he just wouldn't miss. He scored, he scored, he scored. Once he moved to Augsburg, he couldn't score that. He couldn't score at all. So as a striker, as a number nine, once you start losing that confidence, it's tough to get it back unless... A drastic move comes your way. And this was the drastic move that he needed to make. So, th the chances are that, I don't know if he's going to have time enough to make the World Cup roster, but he had to make this move. 
I mean, right. This was a, a must. And you could say what you want about his career, but it's still the World Cup, and that's what he was gunning for. That's two winners. Let's go with one more, and that's John Brooks, the U.S. men's national team defender. After a long career in the Bundesliga, signing on a free transfer with Benfica. I will see Rui Costa, man, what a legend. What do you make of John Brooks's move to Benfica and what are his chances of getting good playing time? First off, uh, stolen at the 11th hour. That's right, that's right. From Mallorca, Benfica coming through and swooping up. Sorry, Stu Holden. Mm -hmm. uh, what do I make of this? Uh, great move for him. He's going to be a Champions League player once again. Now, you know what John Brooks causes amongst U.S. men's national team fans. It's Otamendi, and right now it is Morato, the Brazilian, the center back right there. Morato's injured right now, so he'll be out for a few. Either going to play Champions League, they're in PSG's group and Juventus' group. If he plays Champions League and he does well, can you imagine the clamoring from fans, from pundits, to get him back on the U.S. men's national team? I think this is a brilliant move. Benfica's a massive club. Uh, he's in a situation where he'll step in and play immediately, play good football, back in the eye of the hurricane, which was what yeah. you want, because we talk about the World Cup, and I know what you're saying about your career, and I completely agree your career is important, but the timing of this World Cup makes it so everything's on the back burner but the World Cup. You almost bet on like, yeah, I'll worry about my career later because this is the World Cup and that's the pinnacle for any athlete in football. It's the pinnacle for any uh, soccer player. So he's doing what he can to position himself to get on the U.S. men's national team. I, mean, I think it's a brilliant move. So we, we can make some, some comparisons with Serginho Dest's career, Ricardo Pepe's career. They're still young players. That's not the case for John Brooks in terms of getting good minutes leading up to the World Cup. And yes, looking from the outside, I was just very concerned with how polarizing John Brooks was recently in terms of his, na uh, his national team status. Now, he has the experience. He has played at a higher level, at the highest level, not only because of what he did in the Bundesliga, but also at the European level. Or to go in the World Cup. So he's, <laughs> he's going back to that, but this was probably his last train, right? His last chance to make the World Cup was going to go to a club like this. Because the f my first thought was, maybe the Mallorca move made a little more sense. Because he could have probably been a starter Correct. for Mallorca. It's, 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 not, it's not safe to say that he's going to be a starter at Benfica because of the names that you mentioned, right? Yeah. A very Otamendi, young player, Morato. but a very experienced player as Nicolás Otamendi as well. So that's, that's how I see this move being different. For John Brooks, is the now. There's no big picture no. for John Brooks as opposed to Ricardo Pepe and Serginho Dest. Yeah, and if we've learned anything from John Brooks, he's never just gone away quietly amongst this U.S. men's national team, if you will, uh, exile, if we want to call it that. It's always been something from John Brooks to remind people that he's still here. So this is a brilliant move, and it could very well pay off. All right, so good luck to them all. Now we go. Those were the winners. Yeah, but we also have to name losers of the transfer deadline. And we start with Keylor Navas. He's staying at PSG. He hasn't played yet. And it's clear that Gigio Donnarumma is the starter for the team's new manager, Christophe Galtier. He was close to maybe reaching Napoli. Jorge Mendes, his agent, actually wanted a package deal of Cristiano Ronaldo and Keylor Navas. That did not happen. Now, I know you have the theory in terms of goalkeepers that they don't need to be as active 
as other players in terms of Not all goalkeepers are created equal. Well, and this is a very, very good goalkeeper. So what do you think? How do you think this is going to impact Keylor Navas? Keylor Navas is the most disrespected player of our generation. It's it's not even. Let's not a exaggerate. Let's, it's not let's, an exaggeration. Let's it down a little bit. Uh, because let me just start up from uh, from PSG, if you will. Led them to a Champions League final where he was the best player in the knockout rounds. Okay, best player with Kylian Mbappe, best player with Neymar on the team. It was Keylor Navas. Got them there, and they said, "Hey, thanks for nothing. Hey, Donnarumma, come in." And then he still beat him out in that position when Pochettino was there. And now. At all costs, he has to leave, and they're forcing him out, and Napoli seemed to be the place he was going to go. And in the 11th hour, everything falls apart, and now a man who was brilliant in World Cup qualifying, who led Costa Rica to another World Cup, is on the outside looking in, heading into potentially his last World Cup, and now he's backing up Donnarumma, who, by the way, did not have a great season last year. Wow. If you go back before that, three-peat, three Champions Leagues in a row for Real Madrid. What happens? Thanks a lot, Thibaut Courtois, coming in. I don't know of a footballer who's more disrespected in our generation than Keylor Navas. It makes no sense to me. And this, this one hurts. This one really hurts. Keylor Navas is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Yeah, I mean, I understand that he's a loser because he's not going to play. Donnarumma is going to play. I just don't think he's going to have a huge impact on the way he's going to perform for the Costa Rican national team come World Cup time. I am concerned just because, as you said, he's a great goalkeeper, and I, I thought he could have made a bigger impact with Napoli. I do not understand Napoli's stand on not signing a goalkeeper as good as Keylor Navas has been. I know Spina has been great, but not at Keylor Navas level. Now, uh, you're not a lawyer, but man, if you were Keylor Navas' lawyer, that the, the way he presented his case, I was it was emotional, man. That and it's not that I agree 100% with everything you said, but yes, he's been somehow disrespected. That was Keylor Navas staying put at Paris Saint-Germain. Now let's go with another CONCACAF player, of course, and this is Edson Alvarez. Ajax rejected Chelsea's last offer, and it was for 50 million euros. So Tlanepantla's Beckenbauer is staying in the <laughs> Eredivisie. He's from Tlanepantla's. Yeah, I, I got the reference. Yeah, maybe not everyone Thank you. understands the reference. <laughs> what do you make of this? <laughs> uh, what do I make of this? That's a lot of money that Chelsea uh, offered, $50 million. Uh, just to put things into perspective, City... City paid 58 for Erling Haaland. That's correct. Yeah, eight more million dollars for Erling Haaland. You see what's going on. It's there. hard to say no to 50 mil for Edson Alvarez. It is, and this isn't so much on Ajax. I know people want to dump it. Out. I know Edson must be furious because it was his opportunity to go to a team like Chelsea, which you always say, classic triple A. It's like mm -hmm. one of those teams that it's a world. It's a, it's one of the world's best teams, okay? There's no going about it. You pick a top 10 team, they're going to be there. Ajax is a very good set, a very good team, but the idea with Ajax is always on to the bigger, on to the next, right? Well, Ajax has already let go in this transfer window, and I'll read the names off. <laughs> Lisandro Martinez, Haller, Taglifico. <laughs> you're, you're right, because there's 10 other we names, on that. There's 10 other names yeah. on that list. So I could understand the relent maybe them be reluctant on leaving a player so important like Edson letting him go on the 11th hour, and it gives him no time for them to bring in somebody of equal caliber in their eyes. So I understand, but if you're Edson Alvarez, you're 25 years old, and you're seeing probably the opportunity of a lifetime go by. 
Yeah, I'm okay with Edson staying at Ajax. Honestly, <laughs> the way things unfolded, you you said yesterday on Auto Nunca, if N'Golo Kanté leaves Chelsea, right. that opens the window for Edson right. Alvarez. That made sense, but that did not happen. So Chelsea, and especially Thomas Tuchel, who's sort of a stubborn manager. Sort of. That, that's his, and, he, and, and they also still have Kovacevic, though. So I don't, I don't think it was a great move for Edson Alvarez right now. He's going to play the World Cup. He's one of Mexico's most important players. Correct. If he has a very good World Cup, there's a chance that he's going to have another shot at another great club, yeah. maybe for even more money. So the fact that he was all pretty much rushed, I thought it's better for Edson to stay. And Ajax is not a bad situation for him. It's not a bad situation. He's made at home there, but you could understand the player's frustration. Yeah, okay, well, but, I mean, you speak as a former player. I speak as someone who's trying to advise another player. 58 million. We'll stay at Chelsea. Lost that one. Just like Christian Pulisic <laughs> is. <laughs> oh. Just to follow his steps. And, and this one, this is a tough one. Because I think we all can agree with the fact that like we said about Serginho Dest, you have to leave a club that doesn't really want you. Well, for Pulisic, it's you have to leave a club where the manager doesn't really want you. This happened the after the last line. game. He left the pitch immediately after the final whistle. He didn't follow his teammates just, just to thank the fans in the stand. So just tell me about not only the fact that he's staying, you already spoke on it, but... How do you think this is going to impact Christian leading up to the World Cup? Well, since the reports, because there have been many reports, indicate that Chelsea wasn't even willing to listen to offers. They weren't even willing to entertain offers. That's just insane to me. It's a player you spent over $70 million in a transfer to bring in, who in the last few years under Thomas Tuchel, Thomas Tuchel has proven that either he doesn't rate or trust Christian Pulisic enough to play him the deserved amount of minutes, at least in Christian Pulisic's eyes. And when he does play, he's playing as a right wing back. He's yeah. playing in a defensive role. Say what you will about tackling and Tuchel, whatever. The case remains that he can't look Christian Pulisic in the eye and say, I've given you an opportunity. I've given you a fair shake. Because that's not really been the case. You may say, hey, I need you to help me out here in a pinch in this position. But I can understand Christian Pulisic for wanting to leave. Christian Pulisic is one of, if not the most important players in the U.S. men's national team. For his country, the face of U.S. soccer. That's right. He feels he should be playing. He feels should be, he should be at least given the opportunity to stay fit within the field and mentally heading into a World Cup, which I know we keep saying World Cup. We keep saying World Cup, World Cup, World Cup. People are going to get tired of it. But that's all these players think about. That's all you're thinking about right now. 80 days from a World Cup, if you're a player with the possibility to play, it's in the back of your mind. No matter how close or how far you are from it, it's in the back of your mind. Christian Pulisic, what he wants to do is be happy. He's proven that when he's happy, his play reflects it. Now, this, shutting the door on Christian Pulisic, and now we're recording right now 550, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. There may be some news before we know it. Who knows? But as of right now, he's in a situation where it's not going to change. Especially when Lukaku left, Timo Werner left, yep. and we all thought, okay, this is Pulisic's chance. Yeah. Chelsea signed Raheem Sterling. Okay, kind of a similar player, right? Kind of a similar role on the field, but there's still a window. And Chelsea signed Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang from Barcelona last, not last minute, but on Thursday before the deadline. That move actually is when I thought, 
it's going to be hard for Christian to play. And when you see now, and we, I, I understand what you say about people are going to get tired of us always bringing up the World Cup, but just that that's just the way it is with this World Cup's timing, right? Playing in the middle of November and in the middle, in the middle of club season. He's not going to get to Qatar in the best form and the best shape. That's just a fact. A lot of things have to change at Chelsea for Christian Pulisic to have that opportunity. Either, either uh, Thomas Tuchel leaves the club which and another manager a, which comes, could be a which, which it is a possibility with the way Chelsea is playing now. But if not, it's hard to imagine a different scenario, Herc. I'm more worried about a player mentally than I am physically when he's not playing. Let's talk about a player who's in great form right now. Let's run it back. And do you call it Mr. Football Americas? Every time that I'm on the show, we talk Brendan Aronson. Now credited with this assist. It was a good game. Leeds Everton. Leeds with a tying score and Brendan Aronson with the assist. This is usually how I got my assist. <laughs> I would just I would get assists. Make a run and give kick it. To it. Somebody who's very good with the ball, who can shoot from distance. Oh, look, I got an assist. But Brendan Aronson, now one goal, one assist. If you ask him, he should have two goals, one assist. That Wolverhampton own goal still on his mind. And this is Sam Vines with his first goal in the Belgian Liga. Listen, Sam Vines, 23 years old, right? He's played every single minute of the Juniper Pro League, okay? One goal, one assist. Anthony Robinson's the only left back of real weight on the U.S. men's national team. There could be a chance for Sam Vines. First goal this season with uh, Royal Antwerp. And you can watch Jordan Pifo. This is a very good game. Charlie Davies. Oh, my God. Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies. Davies. Man, you went way back. I went way back. Union Berlin hosting Bayern Munich. What a match. Saturday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Very early here in L.A. 6.30 a.m. Pacific on ESPN+. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. 
Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Arbitro Silva y vámonos. ¿Quién se mueve? Alexis Vega por izquierda, por el centro del piojo. Se dio para Charlie. Después Gallardo que se mete al área. Estoy, estoy harto, harto de Alexis Vega. Movimiento del Piojo Alvarado, el Piojo. Tomete este gran centro. Que tú vengas con experimentos del Piojo Alvarado de centro delantero. Mira, palo, contra el bate, Atraigo contra los que nos venden humo. a llorar porque te abuchó la gente, Gerardo el Tata Martino? ¿Incomoda? ¿Le molesta todo lo que está pasando? Bueno, todo el entorno? Si, si no me molestaría, no tendría sangre. ¿no? ¿Vas a llorar porque te abuchó la gente? All right then. This is after Mexico's loss to Paraguay. One zip friendly match in Atlanta. And this is the statistic performance by Mexico. Comparing both halves hurt. Let's go to my favorite stat. XG expected goals 1.3, which is really, really high. Then it dips to almost 0.5 in the second half, but a lot of chances created. Listen, the only thing you really need to know is Mexico dominated this game. There were over 70% possession to Two, I guess the two shots, also only two shots from Paraguay to Mexico's 23, something like that. It was a crazy domination, but they ended up losing. Yeah, so if you ask to the fan, to the regular fan, they don't care about these stats. They care about the end result, even if it's a friendly match. Right, even, even if, if this it's is, not the starters. Exactly, even if, if this is not the team that is actually going to start against Poland in the first game in the World Cup. So the chance were there again. Fuera Tata, fuera Tata, Tata out, Tata out. And... For the first time, we saw and we heard a very distressed Gerardo Martino. We're going to have the chance to break down some of those sound bites just to understand if he's under pressure, has he had enough of the Mexican national team? And let's start with this, with this one that he even had a different title for himself. No solamente el enemigo público, el enemigo público número uno. Sí, ¿Y claro. eso cómo le hace sentir a usted en ese... A mí la, como, la, persona, como persona... No, bueno, como persona, si la gente que, op, que opina no me conoce, no sabe cómo soy como persona. Este, si supieran cómo soy como persona, seguramente nada de esto pasaría. Esto te lo aseguro. Pero no es nada, no, nada que se pueda modificar. Este, a mí la... la la, la gran preocupación es, cómo es qué incidencia tiene esto en el grupo de jugadores. Eso sí es una preocupación. Porque si bien el equipo sostuvo un buen nivel a lo largo de los 90 minutos, ya la fluidez del juego desde después del gol de Paraguay no fue la misma. Y en eso tiene incidencia todo como se está viviendo. Porque los jugadores cada vez que salen a jugar, a la, le hacen una nota, tienen que defender al entrenador. Juegan el partido, tienen que defender al entrenador. Y no está bueno que los jugadores jueguen. Ya de por sí tienen la presión de ser jugadores de selección. No está bueno además que cada vez que salen a jugar tengan la presión extra de defender al entrenador. Tata Martino, public enemy number one in Mexico. Should he get lost or is he speaking the truth? Um, 
He shouldn't get lost. He's speaking the truth. Um, unfortunately, it's a reflection of society, the society that many Mexican fans live in. And, and you know this very well. And he's not the first Mexican national team manager to be branded public enemy number one or feel that way. But in Mexico, the sport is a, a part of the everyday fabric of their life. It, it's cultural. So unfortunately, uh, in a country like Mexico, the sport is dominant. It's number one. There is no American football. There is no baseball. There is no... Not at that level. There, not, not basketball at that level. It, it's just football. Yeah. That's what dominates. There is no Hollywood. So your attention is just on football. And unfortunately, and this is something that's been said many times, they demand more, the fans demand more, the people demand more <laughs> out of the Mexican head coach than they do the president of Mexico. It's a harsh reality of what Mexico, what Mexican football is. So I understand the frustration, and you can see the impotence in his face. It almost seemed like he wanted to shed yeah. a tear. He was so upset. But it is what it is. But I repeat, he's not the first coach that has felt this way, and he certainly won't be the last. The only reason why I feel he should get lost is there's a reason why he's, quote-unquote, public enemy number one. And that's because he's not winning. If this, if this would be the other way around, he would be the most popular person in Mexico. He would be the most beloved person in all of Mexico. If you are the Mexico national team manager and you win, you don't pay for a meal or a drink again in your life. But so there's a reason why this is happening. That's the seventh game in a row in which Mexico cannot beat a team from South America. And the people started resenting that. So the chance last night in Atlanta, fuera tata, fuera tata. What did he expect? What did he expect? If we saw what we saw during World Cup qualifiers, right? Remind me again what place they came in in World Cup qualifying. Third, was it? Second. Second, yeah. Second. Yeah, but what, what did he expect? Remind me, again, remind me again how many Mexican national teams have won their World Cup qualifying cycle in the last... Four or five of them. Eh, La Volpe and Juan Carlos no. Osorio. Juan Carlos Osorio is the only one. Not La even Volpe. La Volpe. La Volpe lo ganó. Uh, he, he didn't won the final game. <laughs> I mean, he but what I'm trying to but say But what's is, your point? What's your point? Well, just the expectations are so out of touch. You know, and I understand. Do you the feel the Mexican fans have higher expectations than, the than they should? Than the reality of what I the disagree. talent level is? Yes, absolutely they do. So you're saying this is not how a talent How many team? Mexican players play in Classic AAA in Europe? Not many, not, not much, not but, but is that, is that, is that, is that an excuse? A well, we just spoke about a player who was chased by Chelsea. Chelsea was offering so 50 repeat, million, I, I right? Can. How many but, players but that's, play? But that's a different conversation. No, it isn't. Because they, this is what I'm trying to get at. They expect a certain type of level. So people should, to, people should be okay. Mexican fans no. should be okay with Tata Martino's performance as a manager. No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, but to, to demand more out of the coach than you do... Local po politicians, do you do anybody else is insane to me. Yeah, listen, you're, you're not going to change that, Herc. No, you're no, not going to change that. Well, it's fine. I, I don't have to change it, but what I'm telling you is it's a little out of touch. All right, we have another soundbite from Tata Martino because, again, this was, this was a first. That the fact that Tata Martino was giving us so much material uh, during his press conference. Now, let's hear him talking about the environment, the environment around the Mexican national team. ¿Por qué hay pesimismo? Porque el equipo juega eh, mal y no gana. Bueno, cuando nosotros jugábamos bien pero ganábamos había pesimismo. Hoy jugamos bien o muy bien como el primer tiempo y perdimos y hay pesimismo. O sea, es muy difícil eh, parar esta bola que se ha generado, que yo sinceramente, esto lo dije en el verano pasado, no veía 
de ninguna manera que, lo, que vaya a parar. Eh, incluso hasta noto eh, un entorno que se siente cómodo en esta situación. Eh, noto gente feliz de, de que algún colega pierda su trabajo. Gerardo Martino, which, by the way, by the way, confirms that players, managers, executives do watch shows, do read the paper, do listen to pundits. Just confirms it. I'm just saying. Should Tata get lost about the pessimism surrounding El Tri? No, I think for the first time he's being transparent, he's being real, he's self-aware of what's going on around him, right? It's a, it's a reality. He also goes on to talk about an open campaign from ex-players, ex-coaches, TV pundits against him. And I, I think you and I have witnessed a lot of that. I mean, there, on this network, ESPN, on Deportes, you know, there's an ex-Mexican national team coach, famous player named Hugo Sanchez, who every chance he gets bashes him. And says he shouldn't be there. And one of his main reasons for saying he shouldn't be there is because he's not Mexican. So there is. That's wrong, yeah. It's wrong, it's xenophobic, but there's an open campaign by lots, not just on this network, of people who are anti Tata. But you said it and you keep saying it, and you're absolutely right. If he was winning, if things were going well, there wouldn't be this pessimistic, toxic, toxic, excuse me, culture around the team. But he's not winning, and they aren't going well. And I will agree with Tata. It was a total domination by Mexico against Paraguay. Fine. Era el nothing. Era, era el clásico. Jugamos como nunca, yeah. perdimos como siempre. We played like I mean, we've never, but we lost like we've always. No, it means nothing. Paraguay is not going to go to the World Cup. And most of the players for Paraguay on Wednesday night play in the Mexican national team. So it was not, it was not, it was not a real. Huh? Playing Liga Mekis. What did I say? Mexican national. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Liga Mekis. My bad. Uh, so it means nothing. Now. I want to ask you a question. Oh, okay. I want to ask you a question. Why should I be optimistic? Because Tata is saying that he doesn't like this environment, right? So he wants the opposite. And the opposite is being optimistic. Right. Why should I feel optimistic about this Mexican national team when team's best players, Raul Jimenez, not in great form. No. Tecatito Corona, he's out. Yeah. Sadly, he's out. Hector Herrera, not in great shape. Maybe Best player, maybe Guillermo Ochoa again. So why why should I be optimistic to contradict Tata Martino? Well, because you got up and young, up and coming talent coming out of nowhere in the final months for the Mexican national team. And we're going to get into a few of them, but you can go into Luis Chavez, you can go into Santi Jimenez, you can go into Henry Martino who's come out of nowhere. Memo chose to play at an optimum level, and Mexico, if I'm not mistaken, has still qualified to the second round, the next round of the World Cup, past the group phase in seven of its last World Cups. The only team to do that is Brazil. So there is a slight sliver of hope. It hinges on that Poland game. But I agree with you. Would you bet on it? Probably no. not. No, of course not. And I was just finish this topic by saying this. I appreciate Tata Martino speaking the truth. Yeah. I appreciate that because for the first three years that he was in charge, we kept saying he says nothing, press conferences mean nothing, mean nothing. And now that he's actually telling the truth, I appreciate that. But let's just focus on the main topic, which is there's a reason for this, and it is that the team is not playing great. Now, there's another controversial topic that we actually discussed on Football Americas last week, 
and it has to do with Alejandro Sendejas and the fact that he was not part of this team. And this is what Tata Martino had to say on Alejandro Sendejas' situation. He had to sign a document and he didn't want to sign it. There's no federation problem nor a coach problem. He's the man or his doubt is whether or not he's going to go to a World Cup. And in that case, I do not want a player who thinks that way. It's almost an extortion. Hmm. But the reality is that a document had to be signed and, I'm sorry, a federation transfer and the footballer first said that he was going to sign it and then he did not sign it. That's what they told me. Um, he said he did not talk to Alejandro Sendejas directly, right? But, and when we talked about this matter last week, there were still some doubts in the air. I think now it's very clear to what kind of document that the right. Martin is referring so to. So when they asked him the question, they were referring to the letter of intent document that was reported uh, by various outlets in Mexico. And he quickly went and spoke about the one-time switch document. So uh, confusion there. But the one-time switch document is what we are talking about. And he called it extortion-like yep. with Sendejas. Uh, who's extorting who here? Because if you're telling me they put a document in front of a player, you must sign this if you want to play with us. Mm -hmm. This is what you have to do. And it conditions you playing with us for the rest of your tenure as a professional player on any national team. And if you don't, you can't play with us. That almost seems to me like extortion-like behavior. So, but do you... Do, so, <laughs> and rules. Thank you. And rules, producer. But no, but by, 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 by the federation. Like, hey, you won't play yes, with us. Yes. So that's the condition right there. That's why extortion-like. So Sendeja's saying, hold on a second. Let me do my due diligence. I don't want to feel pressured into signing a document that forces me to play this To friendly. switch. Switch and federation. Switch for the rest of my do you career. blame Sendeja's for that? Of course not. He's doing his due diligence. So when they talk about extortion, like, who's extorting who? That's my question here. Because Tata can say whatever he wants. The reality is, he's doing hearsay. They told me. They are the federation. Okay? The federation who right now is in its own can of worms because FIFA's opened up an investigation over the Zendejas case because yeah. he's already played a few friendlies with the Mexican national team. So I have a hard time believing that this is extortion by Zendejas' people or Zendejas himself. I agree with you. And it's like Eminem once said, you only get one shot. <laughs> at switching federations. And the only way you can actually go back is if you're not called up for five years. That's the only way you can actually go back. So I completely understand Alejandro Sendejas. And I know for a fact that the federation put pressure first on his representatives and then directly to the player to sign that one-time switch. He did ask the question, am I going to go with the World Cup? And he didn't get the answer that he was expecting. So I understand he why. He asked the question, like, what, am I, what are your plans with me? Which would have given He didn't hear what he wanted to hear from the Federation. And if you're going to make a move like this, so decisive, you need to make a decision for yourself and your career. You need to have your options open, right? The worst so that's thing why now, I don't blame him. The worst thing is, here you go. Sign it so you can play in this friendly. Like you when, he, when he had already played friendly matches right. for you, Mexico. You don't make a decision like that on a whim and like that. You know what the worst part was? 
that the Federation actually lied, pretending that there was an agreement with U.S. soccer to sign this non-official document, and then Tata Martino came and exposed, so, unwillingly, by the way, unwillingly, yeah. that it was so, the one-time switch. If I can really quickly, U.S. soccer and Mexico do have an agreement in place, a verbal agreement to be transparent about these type of issues, but there is no letter of intent, no. nor where they'll be. No, they said it was a signed agreement between both federations. That's not the truth. Now, let's go to the fields. Let's go to what really matters, and it is the players, because we thought we were going to get some answers by some performances on the field in Atlanta on Wednesday night against Paraguay. So uh, let's play El Trinder. Trinder. They, they tell me there's an app called Tinder, which I know nothing about. So you're going to have to explain to me the way this works. You know how this works, man. Not because you have the app or you've done the app, because we've done their segment. Oh, yeah. oh, you're right, you're right. So <laughs> let's start with Roberto El Piojo Alvarado, who, by the way, started against Paraguay as a false nine, right? So we're going to ask these questions for these following players. Did he earn a call for the for two matches in September? That's a fecha FIFA, right? Yeah. So did Roberto Alvarado earn his spot in that list? So these players are, in our minds, bubble players. Yes. Did they get an opportunity? Yeah. Swipe, swipe right, please. Swipe right. Swipe yes, right. because he did... It was a double tap. Double is that how it yeah. goes? Like or no like? Double tap. Let's let's do that because he did earn another opportunity. He's playing as a nine, by the way, which he does not play, yeah. and he actually didn't play all too bad. I thought he was very active. He's dangerous. He's vertical. He can play now multiple positions for you uh, in a pinch. This is a player who deserves at least a second look. And what I think, when you look at the bench, could be a very thin Mexican roster. Yeah, he has been he has been okay with Chivas as of late, right? I'm I'm not his biggest fan, but the fact that he can actually play different positions that opens up uh, another possibility for Tata Martino because you can actually play him uh, on both wings, right. left and right. He can start as a false nine. He has he he can score. He's a great finisher from outside the box. So uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. And he's one of the most he's one of the players that has seen the most minutes. Under Tata Martino. Yeah, yeah. One of five players that has seen the most minutes under Tata Martino. So we both agree on Roberto Alvarado. Double tap. See, I didn't know that about this app. Double tap, and you like him. All right, let's move on to the next one, shall we? That was Roberto El Pio Alvarado, uh, Alvarado, another player that uh, we have questioned a lot, especially me. So if you don't mind, I want to go ahead and talk about Uriel Antuna, I know he's your guy ever since he was at the Galaxy. You have uh, spoken uh, fondly about Uriel Antuna. Uh, he started also on Wednesday night against Paraguay, but no, I don't like it. I on tap, I swipe left. I swipe left on Uriel Antuna and here's why. I check the stats, right? He hasn't scored for the Mexican national team. He has played a lot. He has played a lot. Only has four assists. These are the advanced stats on Uriel Antuna. As in score. And there's a there's one yeah, correct. There's one thing that he does really well. He's super fast. 
He's Mexico's fastest player, but this is not the Olympics. This is football, and you have, you need to be consistent when you deliver the ball into the box. He hasn't able, he hasn't been able to do that. He doesn't win one-on-one -on -one situations as often, and he clearly has missed a lot of clear opportunities in front of the goal. So that's a no for me on Uriel Antuna. Señor producer, can you pull out that graphic, please? Uh, did you see he was one and two in chances created over the last five games that he's been part of with the Mexican yeah. national team? Now yeah. you talk about goals but you talk about being productive assists there are a few players that wear a Mexican national team jersey that produce like Uriel Antuna. Look, progressive carries in the final third first. Chances created second. This is why he will go. This is why I am going right because he is so dangerous. What about what, what about cross accuracy? Listen, it's something 39 like 39% is listen, very poor. Something like 30 games played, okay? Nine goals, nine assists. There are a few players as productive with the Mexican national team when they put on that green like Uriel Antuna. It's a reality. I understand the prisoner of the moment feeling by certain fans and puns with Uriel Antuna and what's going on in Cruz Azul, which is a dumpster fire. Yeah. But when you think Including about players, him. You think, well, it's fine. When you think about players at the Mexican national team who have been productive, who have been dangerous and continue to be dangerous, it's Uriel Antuna. Yeah, I'm still waiting to see that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe we see the game very, very differently. But I mean, there's to me at this moment, he has zero impact on the Mexican national team. I guess you don't like those stats. Uh, some of them, not all of them. Now we go to Jesus Gallardo, the Monterrey Rayados, the Monterrey player. He usually starts as a left back in the national team, but for his club, Rayados de Monterrey, Herc, he usually starts as a winger more uh, in a more often uh, offensive role. What are you going to do with Jesus Gallardo? I'm going to swipe left, and this may surprise a lot of people because he's probably going to start come World Cup time, but... Wait, you said start? Yeah. He'll probably start come World Cup time. But Jesus Gallardo is a player with a wealth of experience on the Mexican national team. He's played 75 games. For played the World Cup already. He's already played a World Cup. He's a converted winger, left back, turned left back. He's already lost his position at Monterrey to Eric Aguirre, okay? When I talk about a converted winger to left back that's played 75 games, I'm thinking, well, he was an offensive player, so I should probably see a lot of goals, right? Zero goals in those 75 games. Well, hold on, Herc, you're being outlandish. He's an outside back. They're not all goal scorers. You're right. You know how many assists in those 75 games? Four assists. Oh, well, come on. What, what, what? Three of them in friendlies. One official assist in 75 games. Jesus Gallardo is the one player this Mexican national team can do without. Eric Aguirre has, always put, has already put him on the bench mm -hmm. in Monterrey. I think it's bound to happen with Mexican national team at some point if Tata Martino would open his eyes. Jesus Gallardo, I, I don't know what he produces at this point. Yeah, I don't know what he, what, what he brings to the table, Yeah, honestly. Um, I'm okay. If you're not a starter in your club, but your club is a European club, you're not a starter, you have a reputation, you can come to the national team and play, right? But that's, I'm, I'm not okay if you're not a starter in Rayados de Monterrey. And at the same time, you're being called up to the Mexican national team. To me, that makes absolutely no sense. Let's move on to the next one. And this is an interesting one. What about Kevin Alvarez? Pachuca, right back, 
who has seen under Tata Martino, uh, Tata Martino more and more minutes with the national team. This is so strange, man, because this is an enigma. I'm going to swipe left, but I'm going to tell you why. When it comes to playing with Pachuca, I actually think he's a decent player. But when given an opportunity with the Mexican national yeah. team, yeah, just he's not brought that same flavor if you will. And my worry for Kevin Alvarez is Jorge Sanchez is going to be the fact he's, he's going to start. He's going to start. He's yeah. at IX already. I, I, I think he's increased his stock where that's his position to lose. But Fabricio Romano a few days ago broke the news that Barcelona, Football Club Barcelona was in around the orbit of Julian Araujo who's with the Galaxy right now. Now, I think that's maybe a long shot for Julian Araujo to get there. It went from America, Chivas, Porto, Barcelona. But if you're in or around that orbit, if they're asking about you, if they're interested in you, bigger and better are going to come. And I don't see how Kevin Alvarez survives this, this, if you will, opportunity that's going to come to Julian Araujo and still be in that picture. So I'm swiping left. I'm not even going with Julian Araujo. You know who, to me, is the second best right back in Mexican soccer right now. Don't say Chaka. No, <laughs> Emilio Lara. No. El pelón Emilio Lara from, from Club América. I'm not being prisoner prisoner of the moment. Of course not. He's I'm not being prisoner of the moment. He has been fantastic. Excuse me. Ever producer. since he moved from center how, back how many, to right back. How many games did you say he's six, played? Six games he started as a, as a right back for Club América. And he's been one of, one of, one of the best in, in Liga MX so far. He found his place. He can defend. He can attack. He's, I mean, his accuracy in terms of crosses way higher than Kevin Alvarez, no doubt. Take Emilio, who, by the way, saw minutes on Wednesday night, El Pelón Lara, with the Mexican national team. Uh, we I have otro, because that's not going to be one. No, pick another one. <laughs> All right. One more. El Trinder on Football Americas. Luis Romo. Now, this was not a question a year and a half ago. A year ago, this was not a question. Maybe he was even going to be a starter. Now we're wondering if he's going to make the list for September. Two matches in California. The last time El Tata Martino will have the chance to see his full squad before the World Cup. Luis Romo, what do you do with him? My, how times have changed. I am swiping left. The fall from grace here is insane. About a year and a half ago, he was the best player in Liga Mekis. He was the MVP. No, 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 that is not, I didn't say it right there. That was, that was, uh, will we see him in September? Yes. Yes, okay, right. You're right, producer. I said September. I didn't I? No, no, no. The producer's right. That's on me. I don't think he'll make the final, but September. Can I we think tap so. again? This is gonna be this is gonna be his last stand. Let me tell you why. For the reasons I've already mentioned about him being the MVP about a year and a half ago, yeah. um, when you spoke about players leaving to Europe, he was on the tip of everybody's tongue. He had to be the guy to go to Europe. But he's not produced the Mexican national team. He's not produced with Monterrey. Before that, he wasn't producing with Cruz Azul. This is the last stand for Luis Romo. If Luis Romo wants to get on that plane to Qatar, these September friendly or friendlies, or sorry, games in the FIFA fixture, they have to be the one that caught up, catapult him there. Because when you look at that midfield, it's getting increasingly crowded with the likes of Luis Chavez. See, the fact that he has been one of the most consistent players under Tata Martino. When we spoke about top five players with the to most play. minutes. To play. To play. Not consistent in their play. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, for Tata Martino, he's always part of his list, right? right? He's always being a part of those teams. And I know his current form, his current level is not what it was a year and a half ago when Cruz Azul won the title and he was the best player in that team. Now, 
I don't, I don't think he's been as bad as many people tend to think with Rayados de Monterrey, especially this season. I think he's picking it up again. And when we talked about players on different roles, he's one of those players because he has played as a center back, as a number six, or as a box-to-box -box player. I think he will be in Qatar no matter what. Speaking of, we might see Luis Romo on Saturday. Rayados de Monterrey playing Mazatlán starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Deportes. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Major League Soccer action, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the good. Orlando City coming back from a two-score deficit. Even Mauricio Pereira missing from the spot and beating your Seattle Sounders 3-2. Herc does now four wins in a row for Orlando City. Definitely thinking playoffs at this time. Third straight win after the 89th minute for Orlando. Ridiculous comeback. They did it against the Sounders. Oh, no. And they already have uh, the Open Cup final next week on their side. Someone thinking doblete for Orlando City. But let's, let's focus for a moment on Seattle Sounders, Herc. Can they come back from this? That They're 10 in the West right now. It's not looking good. And that's now the third time in a row when they had a lead during the game and they just couldn't get the three points. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on it. The, the Seattle Sanders had a brutal three-game road swing where they picked up one point out of nine. The worst part were, was that they were in positions where they were leading and they let these points slip away. It wasn't like they were outplayed, shot themselves in the foot multiple times. Circumstantial, you could say Portland, you know, pro uh, refereeing that left a lot to be desired, whatever you may want. But you score multiple goals on the road against a team like Orlando and even save a penalty kick. Stephen Fry saves a penalty kick and you still manage to not lose points, lose all of them. And it's been, it's been something reoccurring for the Seattle Sounders. At first, I would say it was injuries. It was Joao Paulo, and then the guy who comes in to replace Joao Paulo, you know, Obed Vargas, he gets injured. And then the guy who goes in to replace Obed Vargas, Christian Roldan, he's injured. And Ruel Ruiz Diaz wasn't playing. But now it's not even that. And then when it wasn't that, it was, well, they're not scoring goals. It's Raul's not there, not scoring goals. Freddie Montero's not scoring goals. Will Bruin's not scoring goals. Rouge's not scoring goals. These guys aren't picking it up. They're not scoring goals. They're missing opportunities. And now they're scoring goals, and now it's this defense that was known, this defensive team, this team that was known for their defensibility, is now leaking goals left and right. 
it does not look good but i will tell you what they are mathematically still in it and have four to the next six games at home it ain't over yet. No, I mean, there's a chance, but that chance seems to be pretty, pretty slim at this point. It was tough playing at the Galaxy, at Portland, and then at Orlando, just getting one point out of those three games after leading in all of them. Let's go to the bad. The bad or the ridiculous. This, this clip <laughs> came viral. Uh, Chicharito with theatrics, with a flop, after engaging in some kind of confrontation with three Toronto players, including including Michael Bradley. Yeah, Richie Larea. I see a What's nipple. What happened? Did I see they a little pinch nipple him? twister there. Uh, cat violence. That's what it was. What? Canada and the U.S. against Mexico, right there. Man. <laughs> hey, whoa. Hey, I can, I can, hey. I can read lips. Yeah, no, that that wasn't nice. That wasn't nice. Uh, the flop was, was really, really. I, I was gonna say the flop was bad. The game was actually really good. And here it is, Douglas Costa. Don't say he has done nothing in Major League Soccer. This is a great goal. You know what? Something the producer said today in the rundown. I mean, he said the stars came out. It felt like a playoff game. And he was right. Yeah. All the big players from both teams managed to show up. Uh, it was both ends. Uh, every single transition looked like a dangerous opportunity for Toronto for the LA Galaxy. It was end to end. It was exciting stuff. It felt like a playoff atmosphere. Bernadeschi again taking a penalty kick. My man has a twelve million dollar a year man in Insigne outside. He's taking the penalty kicks. And then once you thought it was uh -oh. over, look at this. Ricky Pooch. Uh -oh. Ricky Pooch. Uh -oh. Ricky Pooch. Talk to me, Mo. Not bad. Not bad. So now we have a great assist and now a great goal, valuable goal, right? Look at the minute, 90th minute Amen. to tie the score in Toronto. So two big stars shining on Wednesday night. Which signing so far has looked better? Bernardeschi or Ricky Puch? By the way, in Spanish, the call by, by the, was by Ricky Puch. Yeah. Ricardo Puch called Ricky Puch goal yeah. in ESPN Deportes. Uh, I would love to say Ricky Puch right now, but the small sample size. But Bernadeschi, I mean, my man's played eight games. He's got six goals, three assists. Uh, I just mentioned he's leaving Insigne, not taking the penalty kicks because Bernadeschi's so informed that he's taking these penalties because Bernadeschi, his goals, and let, check this out, okay? Five, five points separate seventh place Inter Miami from 13th place Chicago Fire. He and his goals have put Toronto FC in a position to make playoffs. They've taken a possible 15 points from 24 yeah. when Bernadeschi yeah. has scored. Yeah. It's insane to me. This player has changed the dynamic for Toronto FC and has them in a position right now where they can't make the playoffs. Literally, it's one of those situations from kicking and screaming with Will Ferrell where it's like, hey, give it to the Italians. They are taking over Major League Soccer right Whenever now. Whenever we have a conversation about star players, big players coming to Major League Soccer, I at least, I was going to say we, but I at least ask the question, how committed is this player going to be? Bernardeschi looks 100% committed. He's enjoying him time. He embraces the club. He embraces the fans. Ever since, since he was introduced, you could tell that he, gonna be, he was going to be special, and he's looking like it. He's playing fantastic. Big reason why uh, Toronto FC are, are still there, right? By the way, Insigne, four goals, two assists. Not too bad. Himself. Not bad. Not too bad. Enrique Puch. We'll see. Ricky. Um, the ugly. You know what's looking ugly? Uh-oh. 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 L-A-F-C. What's going on? Extended losing streak to three games, and now they lost 
to Houston Dynamo, one of the worst teams in Major League Soccer. Gareth Bale again, starting from the bench. Chiellini in the starting lineups, as well as Carlos Vela, but Herc, What's going on with LAFC? Yeah, Hector Herrera, a late scratch right before this game. Yep. He did not play. Uh, it's the third game in a row that they've lost, right? But if you go back to even before that, the DC United game that they won at home, they didn't particularly convince. They didn't play very well against a 10-man DC United squad. They've only scored four goals. They've got eight goals against. You're starting to see some holes in this structure, in the lineup. Steve Chirondolo tried changing it up. Palacios out. Gareth Bell out. Uh, it was Hollingshead in. Opoco back there. It, but it, the same thing happened. It, it's an LAFC team that all of a sudden, the best team offensively, can't find the back of the net. And in this game, you saw chance after chance from LAFC, and they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Gareth Bell himself had about two or three yeah. where he should have finished, yeah. and they did not. So. The same question that has haunted LAFC throughout <laughs> its existence in Major League Soccer is creeping up again. Will they choke? Uh, and let's start with the supporter shield. Ooh. Because two weeks ago, they had a 10-point lead on Philadelphia Union. And now, Philadelphia Union are leaning the charge for the supporter shield. Do you think that's going to slip away from LAFC? Oh, I think it's already begun. Yeah. Uh, in this league, in this league, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And a hot team heading into the playoffs is a very dangerous team. LAFC has positioned himself well to host a playoff game. There's no two ways about it. They may let the supporter shield slip away to the Philadelphia Union because Austin dropped points last night in Portland. That was a huge one for them. Yep. I, think, I think this is Phillies to lose if I'm a betting man here. The way Gazdag, uh, Carranza, all these players are playing, Ale Bedoya with Jim Curtin, it, it just makes sense. It's theirs to lose. But they're in a position right now to host a playoff game. You need to win in front of your fans. Oh, yeah. This playoff oh, yeah. game. The very Absolutely. first game of their existence in playoffs was a play-in against Raul Salt Lake. A Raul Salt Lake who had no business being there. And Raul Salt Lake ousted them at Bank of California. They can't allow this to happen again. They're starting to slip. That grip is starting to lessen. It's starting not to be as tight as it was on that. I don't even want to say supporter shield. I'm talking about home field advantage throughout. We wonder about chemistry with LAFC, and it's looking like at least during these three games that uh, Steve Sherundolo has a lot of work to do that that chemistry starts working for the team that we all thought were the clear candidates to win the supporters' shield. LAFC's next game is against Real Salt Lake. So in case you missed it, and speaking of, this was, this was just amazing. Uh, kick childhood cancer night in Salt Lake City. The moment that the team scored, the fans that brought teddy bears to the stands uh, started throwing them in the direction of the yeah, field, which was beautiful. just great, great sight. Sergio Cordova with his eighth goal of the season, fourth and last five. I mean, Salt Lake ended up winning this game 3-0. Uh, good game for them against a Minnesota United team that didn't see this one coming. But this little initiative right here is a beautiful picture. Throw the peluches, throw the little stuffed animals there. They had fun with it. It's for a good cause. But all of a sudden, Ralph Salt Lake out of nowhere. Yeah. Pablo Mastroani and his men, watch out. Yeah. So that was that was great, great to see. Great job by Real Salt Lake and the fans all for an amazing cause. And Major League Soccer action continues on ESPN Plus, right here on ESPN Plus. This is a good game. Nashville hosting Austin FC on Saturday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Plus. 
Football America's Road to Qatar continue now exploring Gianluca Vuzio. We'll talk about his chances to make the roster, but just the fact that he has been playing in Europe, in Venezia, how has he adapted to that? Sam Borden with a great conversation with Gianluca Vuzio. to make a World Cup qualifying team and um, so that I knew the Gold Cup was a big step so I was kind of just excited to, to go out there and obviously after Gold Cup was the next qualifying so you're you're kind of playing to win the tournament but you're also playing for a spot on the the qualifying team so for me it was kind of like yeah this is the men's national team but this is also uh, another step for me to, to make it where I want to be. You went from Kansas City to Italy how would you describe the day when you found out that it was official and you were going to Syria. You know, kind of when it first started happening and, you know, at the end I talked to, you know, Peter at the time and told him, okay, this is what I want to do. You know, I want to try to go to the Serie A right now and obviously he agreed. So throughout that whole week, I was kind of just building up to slowly each day. I was kind of thinking about it more and more that, gosh, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to move and, and play in the Serie A. And then uh, uh, eventually it, it kind of just hit me when I was more of on, on a plane, really, all the build-up and, you know, obviously the contract was settled, everything. But, you know, when I'm on the plane with my family going to sign, that's when I was like, oh, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually doing this for real. You know, there's no going back. Now, on the day that you said goodbye to Kansas City, there was some issue with your car and a prank and Johnny Russell. Can you kind of walk me through that story? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the video <laughs> shows a lot, but, um, yeah, so obviously I, I got back from Gold Cup and, you know, I had to come in and get my stuff from the facility and, you know, say my goodbyes. And uh, they were leaving to play, I think, Seattle away, so it was, it was a really quick turnaround. So, yeah, I came in and, you know, I, I'm not going to say I, it was my fault, but I definitely started it. I sent, I sent Johnny a video of me walking past his car and just giving it a little kick, you know, friendly kick. And then, uh, so yeah, we go. I go inside and, you know, we say goodbyes and everything. And then I get a video from Daniel and, you know, it's Johnny. <laughs> it's Johnny recorded, or Johnny's like, oh, goodbye, Boos and stuff. And he walks on the car and I think, you know, what happens next. And then, and then I, I see the video and, and the next thing, Daniel comes running in like, oh, come here, come here, you gotta look at your car. <laughs> and I mean, I wasn't too mad. It was like, I'm leaving the car here. We'll fix it tomorrow. I'll, you know, and he gave me his pretty nice car to drive for the last couple of days I was there. So I was I was happy with how it turned out. Really. Worked out okay. Now, are you, was that a specific thing with him or are you like a prankster in general? Like, do you enjoy that kind of part of, you know, being a teammate? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a prankster, but with him, I definitely, he definitely pulled it out of me, I would say. I wouldn't say I'm a, a full-on prankster. I don't pull many pranks, but I definitely like to joke around with my teammates a lot, especially the ones in KC. I was around them for, you know, five or six years, so we were pretty much, you know, brothers. So them, it was pretty easy to make jokes with, but Johnny, I would say, was the only one where I'd pull actually try to pull pranks on him because he was the main one who was doing it to us. So 
everybody tried to pull pranks on. So now you're playing in Venice, you know, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. What's it like to live in a city that for most Americans, they know it only as like, you know, a tourist place or a place they've, you know, seen in movies? Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I think, uh, like I said, I live outside of Venice, so I'm like a 10 minute drive away, but just having that that city, you know, 10 minutes away from me when I'm bored or something or have an off day, it's not, you know, I have to, you know, it's not America like, uh, or Kansas isn't as beautiful as Venice, I would say. But yeah, I can just, just drive into the city and, you know, just spend my day there and sit around and, you know, have a lunch at uh, in the middle of the city and it's beautiful. So it's uh, it's definitely different for me that I get to see that and I'm lucky enough to, to have that uh, on my free time. I had read when you guys go to home games, you take a, a boat yeah. to the stadium. Is that true? Yes, very true. Every every home game, <laughs> we live outside the city. We don't. A lot of us don't live in Venice. We live in Mesta. And it's a small city, and there's like a kind of this boat place where all the kind of boats take kind of like a taxi area. But you know, all the boats dock there and, and take off and go wherever you you tell them to. So the team sets up a, a bigger boat, and you know, we all meet there at a certain time. All the players. Just like you're riding for a team bus, you know, you wait there and instead of a bus, it's a boat. So you get there and it just, uh, you, you drive to the stadium, it's kind of on a smaller island right outside of uh, Venice. When you first heard that this is how you go to games, I mean, what did you think? Like, obviously that's a very different experience than sort of getting on the bus and going to Orlando Stadium. Yeah, I think now I'm used to it because it's, it's normal, but at the start, I, I didn't know it was true, you know, I was kind of like, we really take a boat, like I've heard it, I've heard people say it, but I didn't think, I thought maybe you just take a small boat to the bus or something, but no, you take the boat, you know, to the stadium. So um, it was it was weird, but honestly, it wasn't it wasn't that different than a bus. It's just like you know, obviously you look out, you're on the water, but it wasn't that different. You know, it's it's a nice boat, you have a nice area, and you get there within ten minutes. So it's uh, nothing different, really. In your opinion, what's the strongest part of your game? Uh, I think my calmness, really. I think I I play kind of very cool I like the ball a lot on my feet so you know it's you can give it to me and I'll, I'll keep the game going and keep the game flowing and that's what I like to do um, you know any team I play on is try to just connect the game you know from the back line to the front line really when you look at this group it's a group of young players it's a group of guys that can play lots of different positions how do you see yourself fitting in best on this roster, where do you think you can help this team the most? Uh, I think I'm a midfielder all in all. You know, I've played there my whole life, so obviously we have you know key players in the midfield: Tyler, Weston, and you know Eunice. It's the that's probably our strongest part of the team, also. And then you know I think we have a lot of good midfielders, so it's a tough position to, to get into. But you know we're all, we're all here to support each other and push each other and you know compete in training, and that's how you make that's how the best teams in the world, you know, in the country, everybody is. That's what they do is they push each other and. They have backups who are pushing for starting spots. So for me, I think it's just me being there and, and ready for the time. And, you know, if they're, they're playing well and they're supporting them, and if they're injured, if they're, you know, tired, I'm there to try to step in for them. So, uh, yeah, it's all, you know, healthy, and it's a, a good, good group we have. So I'm just waiting for my chance. During the 2021-2022 season, among Americans with 20 years or younger in Europe's top five leagues, Busio had the third most starts, only behind Musa and Scali. Busio played the most minutes out of, out of all of them, though. Only Scali created more chances than Busio among such players last season. <laughs> Campeones Cup on ESPN2. Both champs, MLS champs, New York City, hosting B-Campeones. 
Atlas, September 14th. And we're going to be there. 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. And of course, Football Americas will be there. A lot of people are asking about the Portland Timber news that came out today with Merritt Paulson and everything surrounding that and Jeff Carlisle's groundbreaking uh, reporting. We're going to have Jeff Carlisle here on Monday. Yep. Do not go anywhere. We have not forgotten. Jeff Carlisle will be here on Monday. We're going to get to the bottom of this, and it, this is barely just beginning. We'll, we'll discuss that uh, that's in, in depth. And, of course, the US, uh, U.S. Open Cup final preview. Football America is going to be there as be well. There. Man, My flight's booked. Busy I time. will see you there. Busy time for if Football America. do not flip me off. Shout out to our friend, Seb Salazar, whatever he is. He just takes vacation every single day. I mean, he, what a life. That little guy Who's his agent? Term. I want his agent. This was Football America. We'll see you next time. My agent's on the clock. <laughs> <laughs>